Ashley Brock here, and I want to apologize to anybody who was trying to listen to these on Facebook, by the way. I thought I was recording, but I had my mic, my mic was turned off, so I didn't check beforehand, and I already thought I read four chapters, but turned out I didn't, so I'm sorry again. This is Ashley Brock reading Dolores Boston's book, CAD, Chapter 2. Bree heard the pitiful sound, a hoarse moan, and it took her a moment to realize that the sound had come from her own throat. She opened her eyes and looked around for anything familiar, anything that felt right. Nothing did. She was in some kind of room, a hotel maybe, cheap one judging from the looks of things. The ceiling had molding water stains, and those stains moved in and out of focus. Ditto for the dingy paint, blistering walls. The place smelled like urine and other things she didn't want to identify. What she did want to identify was where she was and why she was there. Bree was certain there was a good reason for it, but she couldn't remember what that reason was. It was hard to remember anything with a tornado going on inside her head. She forced herself into a sitting position on the narrow bed. Beneath her, the lumpy mattress creaked and shifted. She automatically reached for her gun and cell phone that she should have been, that should have been on the nightstand, but they weren't there. Something was wrong. Everything inside her screamed for her to get out right away. She had to get to a phone. She had to call somebody, but she couldn't remember who. Still, if she could just get to a phone, Bree was certain she'd remember. She put her feet on the threadbare carpet and glanced down at her clothes. She had on a loose dress that was navy blue with tiny white flowers. She was wearing a pair of black flat leather shoes. The clothing seemed as foreign to her as the hotel room in the absence of her gun and phone. She wasn't a dress person, and she didn't have to remember all the details of her life to realize that. No, she was a jeans and shirt kind of woman, unless she was on the job, and then she wore whatever the assignment dictated. Was she on some kind of assignment here? She didn't have the answer to that either, but the odds were, yes, this was the job. Too bad she couldn't remember exactly what this job was all about. Free took a deep breath and managed to stand. Not easily. She had to slap her hand on the wall just to stay upright. She started for the door, just as the doorknob moved. Oh, God. Someone was trying to get in the room, and with her questionable circumstances, she doubted this would be a friendly encounter. Not good. She could barely stand, so she certainly wasn't in any shape to fight off anyone with her bare hands. Still, she might not have a choice. Think, she mumbled to herself. What undercover role was she playing here? What was she supposed to say or do to the person trying to get in? She might need those answers to stay alive. Bree, someone called out. It was followed by a heavy knock on the rickety door. She didn't answer. Couldn't. The dizziness hit her hard again, and she had no choice but to sink back down onto the bed. Great. At this rate, she'd be dead in a minute, maybe less. Bree, the person called again. It was a man, and his voice sounded a little familiar. It's me. Cad Ryland, open up. Cad Ryland, the dizzy spell made it almost impossible to think, but his name, like his voice, was familiar. Too bad she couldn't piece that hint of familiarity with some facts, especially one fact. Could she trust him? Don't trust anybody, she heard herself mumble, and that was the most familiar thing she experienced since she first awakened in this god-awful room. She braced herself for the man to knock again or call out her name, but there was a sharp bashing sound, and the door flew open as he kicked it in. 
Bee tried to scramble away from him while she fumbled to take off her shoe and used it as a weapon. She didn't succeed at either. The man who called himself Cat Ryland came bursting into the room, along with a blast of hot, humid air from the outside. First thing she saw was his gun, a Glock, since there was no way she could dodge a bullet in the tiny space or run into the adjoining bathroom. Bree just sat there and waited for him to come closer. That way... That way, she could try to grab his gun if it was became necessary. However, he didn't shoot, and he didn't come closer. He just stood there and took in the room with a sweeping glance. A cop's glance that she recognized because it's what she would have done. And then he turned that intense cop look on her. Bree fought the dizziness so she could study his face, his expression. He was in his early 30s, dark brown hair peeking out from a Stetson that was the same color. Great eyes, about 6'2 and 180 pounds. Didn't exactly look FBI with his slightly too long hair, day-old stubble, well-worn jeans, black t-shirt, and leather jacket. But she had some vague memory that he was an agent, like her. Was that memory rights? Or was he, he the big bad threat that her body seemed to think he was? Bree, he repeated, his gaze locked with hers, and as he closed, eased closer, his cowboy boots studded on him. What happened to you? She failed at first. She failed at her first attempt to speak and had to clear her. I um, was hoping you could tell me, Mercy. She sounded wrong. I'm having trouble remembering how I got here or why. She glanced around the seedy room again. Where is here exactly? He cursed. It was ripe and filled with concern. She was right there on the same page with him, but that didn't mean she trusted him. You're in a motel in one of the worst parts of San Antonio, he told her. It isn't safe for you to be here. She hadn't thought for a moment that it was. Everything about it, including this man, put her on full alert. But how had she gotten to this place? I was at my apartment, she mumbled. Was that right? She thought about it a second. Yes, that was that part was right. But I don't know how I got from there to here. Catch at the door that was no longer connected to the top hinge, and he slipped his gun back into the leather shoulder holster beneath the jacket. Come on, he said, catching on her arm. He gave her and said, I need to get you to a doctor. No, Bree couldn't say it fast enough. She didn't want to add another person, another stranger to this mix. She shook off his grip. I just need a phone. I have to call someone right away. <laughs> yeah, you need to call your boss, Special Agent Randy Cooper, or Coop, as you call him. But I can do that for you while we're while you're seeing a doctor. Coop. That name was familiar too, and it seemed right that he was her boss. It also seemed right that she'd get answers from him, especially since this cowboy agent didn't seem to be jumping to provide her with the vital information that she needed. She had to know if she could trust him or if she should try to escape. Bree stared up at him. Am I on that assignment? Cat stared at her too, stared as if she'd lost her mind, leaned down closer so they were right eye. What the heck happened to you? She opened her mouth and realized she didn't have any answers. I don't know. How did I get here? She tried to get up again. I need to call Coop. He'll know. He'll tell me why I'm here. Coop doesn't have a clue what happened to you. That got her attention and not in a good way. What do you mean? Cad moved in close. Bree, you've been missing nearly a year. Oh, mercy. That info somehow got through the dizziness, but it didn't make sense. Nothing about this did. What the heck was going on? What the heck was wrong with her? Bree shook her head. Impossible. He shoved up the sleeve of his black leather jacket and showed her a watch. He tapped his index finger on the date, June 13th. June 13th? She repeated obviously. He thought that would mean something to her. It didn't. That was because Bree had no idea what the date should be. 
nor did she know the date of the last clear memory when she'd been at her apartment. I didn't know you were missing at first, not until a little over a month ago, he continued. His voice trailed off to barely a whisper, but then he cleared his throat. What's the last thing you remember before this place? Cat asked. But he didn't just ask. He demanded it. Seemed to be angry about something, and judging from his stare turned glare, she was at least the partial source of that anger. But what had she done to Ryla? She cursed that question because she didn't have any answer for it or any of the others. Bree pushed her hair from her face. That's when she noticed her hands were trembling. Her mouth was bone dry too. Someone drugged me, didn't they? Probably. Your pupils are dilated and there's not a drop of color in your face. He let her know. What's the last thing you remember? He repeated. She forced herself to I remember you. We were on assignment together at the Fulbright Clinic. Someone figured out I was an agent, and they dragged us. We had to shoot our way out of there. Bree glanced down at the thin scar on her left arm where her bullet had grazed her. It wasn't red and raw as it should be. And it was well healed, but that could be right. And Kate prompt. Bree shook her head. There was no Anne. How long ago was that? Nine and a half months ago. His jaw muscles turned iron. She might have been dizzy, but she didn't miss the nine-month reference. Nine months. As in just the right amount of time to have a baby. Her gaze flew back to him. This time, Reed took a much longer and harder look at the cowboy. His face was more than just familiar. His features, that body. Cad Ryland was drop-dead hot. And yes, she could imagine herself sleeping with him. But had she? She wasn't a person who engaged in casual sex or sex with a fellow agent. We didn't have sex, did we? She asked, something shot through his ice gray eyes, some emotion she didn't understand. No, he concluded, but there was an opportunity for you to get pregnant. We were in a fertility clinic after all. Oh, mercy. Had the doctors in the clinic done something to her? No, Bree decided. She would have known. She would have remembered that, wouldn't she? After the shootout, other agents moved in to arrest the two security guards who tried to kill us. But we didn't manage to apprehend everyone involved. Key evidence was missing, but the FBI decided to send in other agents to do the investigation since my identity had been compromised. Yes, that sounded right. It wasn't an actual memory, though. None of this was. That was near, and that nearly set Bree into a panic. And then you called your boss. Cat continued, his voice calm despite the thick uneasiness in the room. You said you were taking some vacation time. Still no memory. Bree just sat there listening and praying he would say something to clear the cobwebs in her head and that it would all come back to her. Two weeks later, when you weren't when you were supposed to check back in with Coop, you didn't. You disappeared. Cat caught her chin, forced it up. Free. I need you to think. Where have you been all these months? Again, she tried to think, to remember. She really tried, but nothing came. She saw flashes of herself in Cat's arms. He was naked. And with his hard muscle body pressed against her, he kissed her as if they were engaged in some kind of battle. Fierce, hot, relentless. Despite the dizziness, she felt her body get warm. Bad time and breeze, she reminded her. You uh, have some kind of tattoo on your back. It's like a coin or something. She phrased it like a question. Just in case she was getting her memories mixed up, but she doubted she could ever mix up a man like Cad with anyone else. A contrary wife with back-to-back double R's from my family's ranch. Remember that? A ranch, yes. He looked like a cowboy, all right. She bet he wasn't wearing those jeans, stetson, and boots to make a fashion statement. 
Now, he was a cowboy to the core, and the FBI badge and standard issue Glock didn't, didn't dismiss that one bit. We kissed, as we call now, here was a crystal clear memory. His mouth on her, his fake kiss with real fire, and a cowboy with an unforgettable taste. To create the cover of a happily married couple. Well, we didn't have sex, he clarified. No, they hadn't. And she was re reasonably sure she would have remembered sleeping with Cad. She glanced at him again and took out that reasonable part. She would have remembered that. How did you find me? Bree asked. There were so many questions, and that seemed a good place to start. I set up a missing persons hotline and plastered your picture all over the state. I didn't say anything about you working for the FBI. He added just as she was on the verge of protest. The last part of his explanation caused her to breathe just a little easier. The decover agent, the last thing she wanted was her picture out there. Still, his plan had worked because here he was. He found her. Why had we been looking? Was he working for a boss coop? An hour ago, I got a tip from an anonymous caller using a prepaid cell. Cad continued, the person disguised a voice but said I'd find you here at the treetop motel room 114. The person also said you were sick and might need a doctor. An anonymous caller used prepaid cell. That set off alarms in her head. Someone drugged me and dumped me here. That same someone might have been your caller. That's my guess. He paused, puffed, and rubbed his hands over his forehead as if he had a raging headache. Look, there's no easy way to say this, so I'm just going to put it out there so you can start dealing with it. I think someone in the fertility clinic inseminated you with the semen they got from me. Cad hesitated maybe to let that sink in, but how the heck could that sink in? Bree grasped and looked down at her tongue. I'm not pregnant. If I were, I'd be ready to deliver. She stretched the dress across her stomach to show him there was no baby bulk. You've already delivered Bree, a baby girl. She's about seven weeks old. She heard that sound. A horse mile that tore its way from her own throat. You're lying. He had to be lying. Cat didn't take back what he said. He just stood there waiting. Bree tried to figure out how she could disprove the lie, and she glanced down at her stomach again. Go ahead, Cat bumped. Look at your belly. I don't know if you'll have stretch marks or not but there are likely to be some kind of changes. Bree frantically shook her head, but her adamant denial didn't stop her from standing. So wobbling, she turned away from Cat, shoved up the loose dress. She was wearing white bikini panties that she didn't recognize, but the unfamiliar underwear was only the tip of the proverbial iceberg. Just slightly above the top of her panties was a scar. Unlike the one on her arm, this one still had a pink tinge to it, and it had healed, but the incision had happened more recently than the gunshot injury. Probably about seven weeks ago. Bree let go of the dress, so we dropped back down. What did you do to me? She turned back to him. She would have pounded her fist against his chest if she, if he hadn't caught her hands. What did you do? Nothing. It wasn't me. It was someone in the Fulbright Clinic. Now it was Cat's turn to groan, and that was her first clue that he was stunned by this as she was. They stood there. Gaze's luck. Her heart was beating so hard that she could... She thought it might come out of her chest. Who did the C-section? She demanded Cat Sugarshakers. I don't know. Until now, I didn't even know you had one. Though the doctor in Silver Creek guessed. He said Leah's head was perfectly shaped, probably because she'd been delivered by a C-section. What little breath Bree had vanished. Leah. That's what I've been calling her. It was my grandmother's name. Leah. She mumbled. Oh, mercy. None of this was making sense. What makes you think she's our child? DNA tests. He said without hesitation. 
I got your DNA from the classified database in Quantico and compared it to Leah's. It's a match. There was so much coming at her that Bree could no longer breathe. Was this all true? Maybe Cadmus' baby story were figments of her drug-induced imagination. One thing was for certain. She needed to con contact her boss. Coop was the only one she could trust right now. And Coop had better tell her this was all some kind of misunderstanding. I need to use your cell phone, she insisted. You can use it in the truck. I took her by the arm. Something bad obviously happened to you, and we need to find out what. That starts with a visit to the doctor so you can have a talk screen. Bree didn't dispute the fact that she might indeed need medical attention, but she had no reason to blindly trust Cad Ryland. I want to make that call now, she demanded. Cad stared at her, huffed again, and reached in his coat pocket. But reaching for his phone was as far as he got. There was a noise just outside the door, and despite the drug haze, it was a sound that Bree immediately recognized. Footsteps. Cad drew his gun, and in the same motion, he shoved her back, shoved her behind him. But it was too late. Bree heard a swishing sound, one that she also recognized. Someone had a gun rigged with a silencer, and a bullet came tearing through the thin wooden door. End of chapter 2.